Why don't you join me in prayer? Yeah. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love us. You adore us, God. You are for us. You're not against us. Even as your word says, Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? And we know that you are for us, God. So Lord, as we come to receive from your word, as we come to receive what you are saying, Holy Spirit, we do pray that you would pierce our hearts with truth. And Father, anything I yield myself before you, Lord, and I pray, it is my desire that anything that I might share that is not from you or that is not truth, Lord, that you would not allow it to find a resting place in people's hearts or ears, Lord, but every word that is truth, that you are speaking your word, that you are speaking today, Lord, would it find a resting place that would, uh, the seed would be planted, that fruit would grow from that, Lord, fruit that blesses, fruit that gives life. So Lord, we pray, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are saying and what you are doing today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So we are part two of uh, having an unoffendable heart. Um. I think I got through about three points, three or four points last week. Uh, and then as I was putting it together, I've realised in total I've got about 20 points. So we'll see if I get through 16 points today. Um, yeah, you've not got nowhere to go after this? Cool. Seven o'clock, we'll be here. Hey, uh, I heard a story of, a, there was a woman who was uh, in court and she was actually charged with, um, I suppose if there's the young ones here, but she was actually charged with beating her, her husband to death with his guitar collection. Um, so she stands there and the, judges, the judge kind of looks over to the woman and he says, uh, first offender? And the woman replies, no, it was first a Gibson and then offender. And, uh, hmm. yeah. yeah, if you don't know, you don't know. Hey, so a couple of parts from first one, a little quick review. The first is that we looked at, at Jesus had an unoffendable heart. Jesus was not one to uh, respond to people, but Jesus always responded out of righteousness, out of what the Father was doing and saying. He was free from the impact of other people. We see that all through his life, but particularly uh, at, uh, at the cross and, uh, and all the time around that. So we know Jesus had an unoffendable heart, so we would desire an unoffendable heart. Uh, a couple of other things is that offence disables our ability to speak the truth in love, so it shuts down our ability to be the voice of God for others. Offence is, is usually subjective, so it's always from our perspective. So one thing that's offensive to one person might not be offensive to another person, but we've got to understand that offence is usually related to us and how we see the world. And we talked a little bit about the way that offence kind of can work in relationships. Amen. Hopefully, if you weren't here, you got a chance to, uh, to watch the video, which you can do. So I wanted to then touch on some of the, the bad fruit that comes from having an offendable heart. So one of those is bitterness. Bitterness is a really toxic um, thing to have in our hearts and in our lives. It's, it's almost, it's like, a, it's like a, a cancerous heart attitude that eats away at us and produces no good fruit. Uh, but sometimes if, we're, if we are offended and we don't rightly deal with that offence, then bitterness can start to rise up in our hearts. I don't know if you've ever met a, a bitter person, um, but it can almost become something where the person begins to live in that place of bitterness almost like that's their view of life and that they're bitter and, uh, and dejected about everything. Uh, another fruit of offence can be anger. 
So again, anger isn't necessarily a sin, but anger can often lead to sin, especially if it's not um, rightly dealt with. Okay, there can be righteous anger, uh, but I think, again, if we, if we aren't aware of our own hearts and if we have offence in our hearts, oftentimes that projection of anger, even though it might be based in a right perspective, a righteous perspective, when we respond in anger and aggression, particularly when it's a form to try and control or manipulate or dominate another person, then we have chosen to respond in unrighteousness, maybe even to a righteous perspective. Does that make sense? All right, give me some feedback, people. All right, Uh, offence can lead to disconnection. So oftentimes, relationally, if there's offence, if someone offends us and we have an offendable heart, we can disconnect ourselves relationally from people. We can shut them out and disconnect. Gossip and slander. This is, a, this is a really bad one, gossip and slander. The thing with offence is offence likes to be shared. And oftentimes that's what happens in relationship is that we get offended and instead of going to the person, as Jesus would call us to, and actually resolving it and potentially finding out that they didn't mean what they said or we misinterpreted it or they're actually really sorry for what they said, we don't go to the person and we go to someone over this way. We go sideways in our conversations, okay? And then we start to share with others what this person did or said. The problem is we're only sharing our perspective. And we think we've got 20-20 vision. Now I saw, I know exactly what they said. I heard it and I was clear as day. This is what happened. This is what they said. This is what I did. This is the whole story. And then we tell it to someone and then naturally they go, well, no wonder you got offended. That's horrific. How could they say such a thing? And how, how could they do that? But we're building a case against another person without them being there. And then we're getting people on our side, which justifies our perspective because they're like, yeah, you should be upset about that. So we're like, okay, cool. I'm justified in my perspective to the person. But it also then starts to shape their perspective of that same person. You've seen it happen in relationships. And sometimes it's really hard when someone shares things with you and you can't help but be altered in your perception of another person. So this is something, again, we'll get to the Matthew 18 principle, but even if someone's sharing something with you, it's always to encourage the person, why don't you go back and talk to them rather than talking to me? I mean, if you're saying, hey, I I feel like this happened in this situation and it often happens or they said this thing, the response shouldn't be, oh yeah, you should be really upset. The response should be, hey, have you spoken to them? And if the answer is, no, I haven't spoken, they say, well, that's probably the first step. Rather than talking to me, I wasn't there, but why don't you go talk to them? And you might find out that it's actually a misinterpretation of the whole scenario and you can avoid destroying a family or a relationship or a church based upon something that was make-believe. It happens. Offence can lead to hatred. Again, when bitterness um, comes to fruition, it forms hatred in our hearts. It can lead to revenge, whether that's a passive or aggressive forms of that, that then we start to do things to, to, um, to tear down the other person through backdoor ways or to their face sometimes. But it's that offence that has been the thing that's caused us now to respond unrighteously back to the other person. And there is a whole long list of other things that offence, the bad fruit that will produce in our hearts if we are offendable. So when offence isn't dealt with, it gets worse and worse. 
And as I said, offence can lead to bitterness. It's like a cancer to our soul. It spreads and can take over and only leads to death if not treated and removed. It's serious stuff. It it can literally destroy nations. It's destroyed many a church, destroyed many a family. You might even be able to think maybe in your own family, in your own kind of circle of relatives, you can think about, yeah, there's estranged relationships there. There's people who are, who are family born from the same parents who don't connect with each other, they don't speak to each other because there's offence that has happened, that there's truth that has maybe been shared and hasn't been received and it separates family. It's not the, the desire of the Lord for us to live in that way. And the most serious thing, I think when we look at the words of Jesus is that the fruit of murder is contained in the seed of offence. Matthew 5, 21, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So here Jesus is taking the sin, the outworking of murder, and he's comparing it to anger in your heart towards another person. So if we look at that and understand that people can, out of an offence, it can actually lead them to the, I mean, if you think about murders that are committed, horrible things that happen in our society that can happen because of hurt and pain that someone may have caused another person, or they've perceived it to be so, a jealous you know, there could be jealousy in a relationship that's completely made up and yet it causes them to act in ways that can end to people losing their lives. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness and slander. Out of the heart comes those things. So if we're not taking care of our hearts, then we can allow those things to fester. And particularly if we're disconnected from our internal world, then we don't actually even know what's brewing on the inside. If we are, if we are disconnected from our hearts, all that can be happening, then all of a sudden, through a tense situation, some sort of trial and issue, it comes to the surface and a whole lot of gunk comes rushing out. You may have experienced it yourself. <laughs> you may have experienced it with another person. And it's like, oh my goodness, where did all that come from? Well, it was brewing on the inside, undealt with offence, undealt with bitterness, undealt with heart issues that find their way out eventually. And here's the thing. Having an unoffendable heart doesn't make you a passive person and it doesn't make you blasé about other people's behaviour. It doesn't make you a doormat. So, well, it doesn't matter what they do. I'm just, I'm just being unoffendable. Now, if people are being offensive in their words, their actions, it's right for you to have a conversation with that person and say, that's actually not okay. I'm, I'm not okay with the way that you're treating me right now. I'm not okay with the way that you're behaving. I'm not okay with the, the way that you're speaking to me. That's a right response to that. So it doesn't say, oh, I'll just be a doormat. I'll just be nice and put on a smile and be happy even though people are you know, being horrible to me. But when we're offended, we don't often engage in a healthy way with somebody else's unhealthy behaviour. Having an unoffendable heart allows us to righteously engage with unrighteousness. 
Now again, as missionaries, as we all are, as sent ones by God out into the world to bring life and goodness and the kingdom of God, if we have an offendable heart, how are we naturally going to respond to unrighteousness? With unrighteousness. We see that someone can have a really righteous perspective about a truth from the Scriptures, a truth directly from the mouth of God, and yet the way that they go about proclaiming that, the way that they treat other people because of that is an unrighteous way. So if our hearts are free, if our hearts are unoffendable, we can take truth and we can present it in a way that's life-giving and loving, that speaks with gentleness and kindness, but it speaks truth directly, and yet in none of it is it trying to tear the other person down. It's actually coming with the intent to build the other person up. So it doesn't make you passive or blasé, but it does remove the trigger points in your own heart so you can respond and confront from freedom and love and not from your own pain and judgment. All right, point number five. We're a quarter of the way through this. <clears throat> offense blinds us from seeing the truth. So our ability to be offended is inversely proportional to our ability to receive truth. The more offended we are, the less able to receive truth we are. Now, I've, I drew a diagram. It's a graph. Ability to receive truth versus inability to receive truth is on that side. And how unoffendable you are versus how highly offended you are is on that side. So the reality is the, the less offendable you are, the more able you are to receive truth. And yet as your offendability increases, your ability to receive truth decreases. In relationship with others, if we are easily offended, it can shut down our ability to receive truth from other people. So now we can, we can find truth in lots of places, in the, in the Bible, obviously, but God will use people to speak truth to you. That's just how He's created the world, that's how He's created relationship, that's how He's created the church to be. Unfortunately, not every truth that you want to hear or need to hear will come in your quiet time alone with the Lord. It just won't, unfortunately. And some of the reason for that is because you have determined in your heart to have a particular perspective about God or about something, okay? Because you are willfully because you willfully chose to judge somebody, because you willfully chose to have a perspective on someone or something, the Lord cannot speak truth to you because that would require Him to violate your will, which the Lord will not do because then He would be oppressing you with His truth. So in order sometimes to receive from the Lord, He uses people to speak truth to us. He uses people to expose the lies that we're believing. He uses confrontation and circumstance to actually expose where we have wrong beliefs in our heart, where we have lies that we're believing. So an example would be if someone was to raise a character issue with you and your response was to get offended with what was shared. 
So it doesn't allow you to actually engage with what was being shared or what the person was trying to communicate to you. So they might want to be communicating, hey, bro, I just feel like sometimes when you, when you talk to me, you just come across like really arrogant and, and, and proud. Like, oh, how dare you say that? I, I can't believe you would say that I'm arrogant. I can't believe that you would say that I'm proud. I can't believe that you would becomes the focus. I can't believe that you would say such a thing. Not, I wonder if that's true or not. It's like, I can't believe that you would say such a thing actually becomes the focal point for me. Not the truth that may or may not be shared with me, but the fact that you've said it to me now and I get offended. So I actually shut down, I disconnect from what you're trying to say and I hone in on the fact that you've said something that's upset me. Your offence becomes the focus rather than on the life-giving truth that may be contained in what the other person is trying to share with you. So if we wanna be a person who walks in the truth, we need to ask that question, is it true? I've had times like that before where people have shared stuff with me and it's like, I don't, I don't like that you're saying this. I don't like that it's you that's saying it sometimes. <laughs> I don't like the feeling that it has in me because it maybe it might make me feel ashamed or embarrassed or I've just been like, felt completely like I was blind and now I see and it's so embarrassing to think of all the times that I've done that. All of those feelings can explode in my heart, but still I have a choice to say, but is it true? Because if it's true, then I want it, regardless of how hard it is to receive it. Because if not, I'm missing out on truth. In order to protect myself from the feelings that are stirred up when I hear truth. So my feelings become more valuable to me than actually coming out of a lie and coming into truth. This is our journey with Jesus. This is the repentance journey. The sanctification process is all about repentance, which is about a changing of the mind which means we think one thing and it turns out the thing that we thought was actually wrong and we must repent. We must turn and change our mind from thinking and believing that thing to thinking and believing a new thing, which means the whole journey of you following Jesus is about confrontation with truth. If you encounter Jesus, what do you encounter? Truth, because He is the way, the truth and the life. But it means that it's not gonna be smooth sailing if we're following Jesus. It's certainly smoother if you have an unoffendable heart because then you can hear and receive what he's trying to say. So we may not like what is being said, but we can't deny that someone is speaking the truth. This is from an article that I found. It says from... So talking about 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Paul told Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. He didn't say, exhort, exhort, exhort. Certainly, we need to be encouraged, but there are also times when we need to be confronted and rebuked. Today, there are preachers who are afraid to preach truth for fear people will react and leave the church. The end result is a church of easily offended people who cannot grow beyond their inability to accept correction. It's a sad place to live in where we can't speak truth because the other person can't receive truth. 
And again, we've covered, and it's so important that if I'm speaking truth, I can't just say, well, it's truth, so you just need to receive it. I have to be aware of how I'm presenting truth. But we both need to be responsible in that relationship. I'm gonna present it in love and you're gonna receive it in love. And we're gonna find the, the kernel of truth. Sometimes we'll, we'll say something and, it's, and we're not talking about actually what the truth point is. We're just talking about maybe someone's behaviour. But underneath that, there's a, there's a truth. And if we dig in and we're willing to do the journey of pulling it apart, we can discover, wow, there's life in this. So offence prevents us from asking deeper questions about the state of our own hearts. We need to be free to ask ourselves, why am I offended by that? So to ask to say, wow, I'm having an emotional reaction to what someone is sharing. Something's going on, it's really annoying me, what they're saying, or it's really upsetting me, whatever that emotional response is. But we can, we can engage with that and say, okay, this really hurts. Wow, this is really embarrassing. Or wow, I feel a fence rising up in my heart to what, to what this person's saying. And I can engage with that and then say, Lord, why, why is this impacting me in this way? Why am I getting offended? Why am I turning this around? Instead of looking at the truth that's being presented, I'm now targeting that person and wanting to destroy them with every part of my being. It doesn't help us to be truth seekers and to engage with truth. And as I said, if you are the truth sharer, you also need to share things in a way that's not offensive. But sometimes what happens is there's a truth and we're like, oh, that person's got an issue. I should probably talk to them about it. We don't. The issue keeps happening, keeps impacting us. And then we start getting offended with the person. So then we end up sharing that truth from a place of offence and then naturally they get offended because of the way that I'm sharing it is not a nice way to be sharing it. And then you've just got offence going off everywhere because we haven't just had a conversation to say, hey, I just wanna let you know how you're impacting me. Because oftentimes again, you might be impacting me because of something in me. It might be one person's confidence exposes your insecurity. Be like, oh, look at them, think they're so haughty and awesome and they're so proud. And you know, the reality is they're not proud at all. It's that you're insecure and you only wish that you could have the freedom that they have to, to be who they are. And so it then gets twisted and becomes offence. Number six, the end does not justify the means. So again, this comes to how we often share truth with other people. So we can get offended because of a righteous perspective, but then the offence causes us to respond in an unrighteous way. Just because you're right doesn't make you righteous. It actually can make you religious. That's what religion is, is rightness, mixed with offence and then it becomes religious. But this is the issue. We can see clearly, I know exactly what it is, but I have an offendable heart. So then I twist that and I start to move. So then I start to make it a demand that other people behave this way. I start to, to put that pressure on other people. You can't, I won't let you behave that way because when you do, it upsets me. So now I'll control and manipulate other people 
to make me feel safe. But it doesn't produce righteousness. It doesn't produce life. So an unoffendable heart allows me to respond and confront righteously from positive righteous values rather than unrighteously from negative pain. It allows me to engage with the heart of the matter. So again, just because you you think rightly, if you behave unrighteously, you've actually um, destroyed the whole kind of premise of why you'd be sharing truth in the first place. So we think, well, it doesn't matter how I say it, they just need to hear it. And I think Jesus would say, no, it actually really does matter how you say it. Because how you say it will be rooted in your heart. That's what's going to determine how you say it. So how can you, this is the whole, you've got a log in your eye, you're seeing the speck. We've got to, I've got to deal with my heart before I consider dealing with your heart. Amen? Oh no? Okay. So offence often, this is point number seven, offence often causes us to act unrighteously in response. This is carrying on. So I've seen relationships where the initial act that caused the offence was completely outweighed by the responding sinful behaviour of the one that was offended. So offence takes the other person's sin, invests it and gets a really good return on that investment and then gives it back to the person. So I took your sin, I invested it in my offence bank. It's got all this interest, it's built up and now I'm gonna come and offload to you all the things that you did and said and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it becomes this huge big thing which may have been based on a really small thing. Regardless of someone else's behaviour, if we respond with offence, we've opened the door to engaging in sinful thoughts and behaviours. We've actually taken their sin and we've added our sin to it. So again, how can I confront you about your sin if I'm only doing it because of my own sin? It doesn't make sense, does it? Does it? It does. It does make sense. It makes perfect sense, clearly. No, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense that we could live that way. Now again, it doesn't mean I have to be perfect before I share anything with anybody else. But it means I've got to do, take responsibility for my own heart. I've got to do my own investigation. Lord, search me. Am I reacting out of righteousness or unrighteousness? Am I reacting out of offence? Because I don't want to go and talk to them about what I see in them if it's only because of what I'm not seeing in myself. Because this is the reality, point number eight, offence is often caused by deeper root issues in our own hearts. So another person's behaviour might trigger us. So it pulls the trigger. But our brokenness is the loaded gun. If you're getting triggered all the time by other people, unload the gun. Probably a word for our culture at the moment. And again, this isn't to diminish people's pain. This isn't to diminish people's trauma. This isn't to diminish someone's history, the generational history of what they've encountered in their life that would lead them to have significant pain and trauma and brokenness. But if we don't take responsibility for where we have been wounded, then we'll continue to be wounded by every 
single person that we encounter in all of our relationships as we go on. And we'll be blaming them for continuing to hurt us when the reality is they're just touching a wound that has existed for a long time. And we try and then make them responsible for healing a wound that was actually caused by somebody else. All of our judgments, our inner vows, our bitter root expectations, our trapped trauma, our unmet needs and our deep heart woundings cause us to view the world through a particular lens. This is all the stuff that we, that we cover in the Elijah House Schools. That's why we encourage people to do them because there's really important stuff that where we can take responsibility, not for how someone else has sinned against us, but for how we have responded to their sin. It doesn't remove the fact that, they, that someone did bad things to us or didn't do good things towards us, maybe when we were children. But what it does do is say, but I'm not gonna live in bondage to what they did for the rest of my life. Because God says, that's, that's your history, but what we're gonna do moving forward is I can heal those places, but if you've responded sinfully, then you're actually keeping yourself bound. Our history shapes how we perceive and receive other people's words and behaviour. Now again, this is particularly true if you are ever in a position of authority over other people. So maybe in a church leadership context, maybe in a business leadership context, wherever you find yourself when you're relating to people is that you end up representing every negative authority figure that that person has ever had in their life. It's awesome fun. It's projection, often what happens is. So someone has a wound, maybe related to their father, so they look up to older men and they, either, they might have a judgment towards older men, they might have an expectation, this is how older men are going to treat me. Yes, see, my dad was never there and, and men are gonna come, always let me down, but we, it's, it's rooted in our own hearts and we project that onto people and we have an expectation, well, they're gonna do the right thing by me and they're gonna do this and do that and then when they don't do that, then I get offended because they, they're supposed to be doing this. All of these things are uncommunicated, but they're happening in our hearts. So we keep getting hurt and wounded by people and we go from relationship to relationship, from maybe job to job, church to church, always with the other person being the problem. And yet what is festering in our own hearts is actually what's being provoked. So maybe a person can remind us of a parent or some other authority figure in our life. And because there is an existing judgment towards authority figures, we project that judgment onto the person in front of us. We inter interpret all of their behaviour through our lens of judgment and our interpretation always proves our judgment to be correct. This is the issue with judgments. And again, we cover it in the Elijah House School, so do that. Um, but a judgment isn't just an idea about something. It's a determination that that is the way something is. So if I have a judgment against something, that is truth to me. Even though it may be a lie, if I have a judgment towards God that He is not good, is that true? To everyone else it might not be, but to me it is. It's a lie but because of my judgment, it's become a truth to me. So no matter what interaction I have with Father God, He will never be good enough because I've already determined in my heart, not with my conscience, 
my cognitive mind, I'm not engaging with that thought. Oh yeah, I remember when I judged God for being bad, but oh no, he's good now. But we, we get trapped in this place, no matter what happens, my heart always says, no matter what you think, no matter what you read, what you believe is that God is not good. It's the same in relationships. If we have formed judgments to, against people, we can't believe the opposite. We can't just choose to believe the opposite. We need to repent of the judgment. We are spiritually bound to that perspective. And until we repent, we cannot be freed from that perspective. Because it's, it's legally binding. Judgments are legally binding. You understand, in the kingdom of God, there's, there are laws of the kingdom and judgment is a strong one. So we can be told one thing, we can be told the opposite, we can read the opposite, we can sing the opposite, we can declare the opposite, we can go into warfare against the opposite and we'll continue to believe the opposite until we repent of our judgment for what we've believed. And that's the problem then. All of our interpretations, see it happened again, see it happened again. We might feel like, you know, I've got, I've got, uh, God's given me a message to, to preach and, uh, and, he, and, and He's called me to, to lead in, in, in a church. And I go to the church and I tell them, God's called me to, to do this. And, and, and then they're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, well, not just yet. See, again, typical, not received. Well, I'll go to the next church. And then oh, same thing happens. See, again, the church can't receive the Word of the Lord. It's the church's fault. All the churches in this, in this nation are blind to the truth of God because they can't hear what, what God has told me to, to say. Now, what I'm not aware of is all of the other ways that I behave that might be toxic and broken, disconnected, fractured, but my, all of my perspective gets focused in on this judgment that I might have and the judgment might actually be, I don't feel like I'm received. No one receives me. I don't belong anywhere. But see, we see it and it's played out. I went, I've been to 20 different churches and they've all behaved the same way. So, well, of course they have. Because my heart is determined that no matter what happens, the, the judgment's still gonna be the same. Is that I'm not received, I'm not accepted, I'm not acceptable. And it will continue on and on and on. So a person can go from relationship to relationship. And the same thing follows them all the way through. Because you follow yourself wherever you go. Yeah, whenever we use language like um, I'll never or people always or they're just like my father, they're just like my mother, what we're actually exposing is our own judgments or our own foundational lies about ourselves and life. If we don't deal with our own heart issues, we'll continue to view people through our broken lenses. Amen. Oh no. Number nine. Offence distorts the Word of God that He wants to speak through you. Now again, when I talk about the Word of God, I'm talking about the Scriptures, but I'm also talking about maybe a Word that God gives you to share with somebody else. Not in, it's not in contradiction to the Scriptures, but God speaks prophetically. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through all the different forms. His voice is to be heard. So when the Bible talks about the Spirit and the Word, being the sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, is what, whatever God is saying. It might be based upon what He has said in the past, might be what He's declaring now. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, 
piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So we need the Word of God partnered with the Spirit of God to search our hearts first before we bring the Word of God to other people. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me or test me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. King David's words are, Search me, O God, not search and destroy them, O God. Search me, Lord. Know my heart. Search my heart. Test me, Lord all my thoughts. And if there's any grievous way in me, deal with that, Lord, that I might walk in the everlasting way. But when offence resides in our heart, then our own brokenness distorts our understanding and our delivery of what God wants to say. Again, it might be righteous, but we're behaving in an unrighteous way. And this is the thing, particularly, and I encourage people who have a prophetic uh, gifting, we can all prophesy, but there are people in particular who have a prophetic calling on their life. The sword of the Spirit, according to this, it pierces. It, it doesn't slice and dice. You know, when you're a kid and you've got a sword and you're like, shoo, shoo, and it's all, you know, but it's slicing and dicing. You can cut people up with the Word of God. You can cut people up with the very truth that God is wanting to say, but the way that you wield the sword will determine how it's received whether it just cuts someone to pieces or whether it pierces to the very intentions of their heart and, and gets to the point that it's meant to be getting to. That's why God is speaking. He doesn't wanna cut people up with His truth. He wants to pierce their heart to get to the root, to get to the, to the place where the truth needs to reside and land. God never wants to shred people with His truth. But I've seen too often People come and they come with the Word of God, but it's presented in such a way that it just cuts people up. If you're gonna pierce something, it has nothing to do with how much weight you have in your swing. It has everything to do with how sharp the sword is. And you need to know God's Word is sharper. Says it. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the sharpest of all things. So you don't even need to put in effort. If you feel like God has a truth that He wants you to share with somebody else, all you gotta do is just present it and the sword does all the work. If you're feeling, no, I've got to hack at this person 15, 20 times, even just to get below skin level, you ain't wielding the sword of the Spirit. You're wielding something else. this fun? Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Number 10, offence can be our defence. So offence can be a protective function to avoid the pain and brokenness in our hearts. Offence in our hearts builds a fence in our hearts. Mm. Offence builds a fence, builds a barrier. We protect ourselves from others and the pain they cause us. Even though the offence and living offended is equally, if not more painful than destructive. So the problem is that the fence we build to keep the bad out also keeps the bad in. Our brokenness stays broken. 
the lies that we believe, we stay believing. The judgments that we hold, we stay in judgment. We stay in brokenness. We stay in pain and we stay in captivity. And we actually can partner with the enemy to bring greater death and destruction to ourselves and to other people. So what we think is keeping us safe is the very thing that's keeping us locked away. As I talked a bit about last week and even then I shared the, uh, the road rage incident story. Um, Offence is usually the thing that we feel first, but there's always something, there's, there's emotions, there's pain, there's things that go on underneath. So we need to go deeper when offence comes up in our heart. So just say something happens and you get offended. And again, I'm not saying go off and be perfect now. I'm, all I'm saying is recognise when you're offended and bring that before the Lord and say, God, can you deal with my heart first before I go about talking to anybody else? But if, if someone says something and you have an offended response, then ask why. Why is this the case? And you might find that there's some things that you're believing about relationships, maybe about that person, maybe about life itself that will actually get exposed. Then you can say, Lord, now, now we can process that. Then I can get to be free. Because again, sometimes we'll find that when we deal with our offendability, we, we stop getting offended by other people's behaviour. It actually just doesn't matter to us anymore. We don't even notice. We're not even aware that someone's trying to do something to control or manipulate us. And again, it doesn't make you ambivalent. It just causes you to be free from those attachment points. Number 11, offence creates an environment in our heart that cultivates hypothetical belief systems. If we get offended by someone's behaviour or words, from that point on, if the offence isn't dealt with, we start to interpret all of that person's behaviours through the lens of our offence. So there might be one initial thing we get offended, but now we've positioned ourselves against that person. And then we actually can almost, I've, I've I've seen it happen in myself. I start to almost be even more aware of their behaviour, more aware of their, see, they did it again. Uh, again, they just did it, they just said that thing, they just did that thing again. See, it's happening all the time, all the time. Now, if you weren't offended, you probably wouldn't even notice that it's happening. But even little things start to get interpreted as encouraging your perspective on their offendability. And over time, what we do is we start to build a case against them, small things that normally wouldn't bother us about the person, or they may annoy us, but we'd kind of get over it pretty quickly. They get grouped together and they feed into this offence in our hearts. It starts to compound and starts to grow. We can then start to increasingly justify our offence because the evidence against the other person is overwhelming. Now, I've got a long list of all the things that they have done, all the things that they have said. Now, the reality is maybe all of those things had nothing to do with you, with misinterpretations of something someone said or didn't do. You can say, that person never greets me, they never look me in the eye. See, it's all of it or something, but maybe it's their insecurity or they're not aware. Like it's, it's all mixed up in this milieu of relationship and offence that's going on. But we've got, all of a sudden, we've got this overwhelming list of evidence. 
even things that, may, that the other person may be doing that has no bad intent will be interpreted by the offended person in a negative and malicious way. And this is the issue, again, with offence. Number 12, offence assumes intent. We, when we respond with offence, there can be an assumption that the other person has an intent to hurt us. They meant to say that thing. They meant to do that thing. They were intentional about doing something that would cause me pain. And even perceived behaviours become reality to us because we have judged not just their behaviour, but also the heart behind their behaviour, the intent behind their behaviour. So we start all of a sudden, we're building evidence and it's all wrapped around like they meant to do this. But maybe that first time, that person had no idea. No idea that what they had said had caused offence in you or caused pain in you or triggered some historical trauma in your heart. Maybe they had no idea and they've gone about in their relationship, even maybe thinking that things are good. I thought we were were friends, I thought we were getting along and the whole time you've been festering with this bitterness towards them because that time when they said that thing or they did that thing and now they do it again and they do it again. The other person is completely ignorant. That can be the scary thing sometimes and the painful thing, even maybe if you've done something that's hurt somebody else and you're not aware of it, it's like if you had known, you would have done anything to to let that person know how sorry you were for the pain that you had caused them, but you never get an opportunity. But they might go on for weeks or months or even years hiding these things in their heart. And maybe one day it explodes or eventually they just draw so far away from relationship and you lose that relationship because they can't stand to be around this person who offends them all the time. And the reality is you have no idea that it's even happening. Number 13, an offendable heart can be offended with God. If you have an offendable heart, then you create the opportunity to be offended with God. Besides this being obviously an incredibly arrogant thing for us to do, um, to have any judgment towards God is, is... kind of silly really, uh, seeing as he is perfect and the creator and good and righteous and perfect and we are not. Um, But besides that, it shuts down our ability to walk in truth because the spirit of truth gets silenced in us. This is what I was touching on before. It's like I can't hear truth if I'm offended because I've positioned myself to not hear truth. So again, an offended person, they can be offended in a relationship, but they think I'll go away and God will speak truth to me. See, and he's just, all my thoughts and everything that I'm hearing, it's justifying my perspective. But the problem is it's justifying a judgment based upon my own heart and interpretation of things. And God might be screaming the opposite to me, but I can't hear it. I can't hear truth because I've already determined and come into agreement with a lie. Offence with God puts him in the dock like an accused person in a courtroom. How dare you, how could you God and why would you not do these sorts of things? And we put put God on trial in our hearts and in our prayers and in our lives. It's okay to not like how God is doing things in your life, but to step into offence is to judge God as not being who he says he is. It's a very dangerous thing to be in judgment against the Lord. 
because He is the only one who can share absolute truth with us. But if we determine that He is not who He says He is, we remove our ability to receive truth from the truth giver and the life giver. Jesus said, I will send my Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and He'll lead you into all truth. But if your heart is positioned against the truth bringer, how can we ever receive truth rightly and righteously? How are we going? Good? Part three or should we push on through? Different people are saying different things. (sighs) Number 14, offence robs people and relationships of freedom. It's a big one. An offendable heart is always waiting for its next person to devour. If I'm free and you are offendable, my freedom will eventually stir up offence in your heart. Offendable people tend to create an atmosphere of insecurity around them. Those around them start to behave without freedom in the relationship because they are afraid of the consequences of the offendable person. And again, because when you're offendable, perception is reality to you. So if you're in a relationship with someone that's highly offendable, it's like, I, I can't do the right thing or the wrong thing because even the right thing might be interpreted as the wrong thing. So it starts to create a, 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 this kind of unsettling space to be in with somebody. Offendable people are tiring to be in relationship with because a lot of energy ends up being expended managing their offendability. If you have an offendable heart, you will be exhausting to other people. And sometimes this can be why we could start to lose friendships and relationships because we're just too much to be around. Because we're constantly interpreting people's behaviour in an offendable way. When you're in a relationship with somebody like that, you can't confront them because their offence doesn't allow them to hear you. So you can't talk about how their behaviour might be impacting you because they interpret that in an offendable way. So they can't hear truth. But because you love them and you want to remain in relationship with them, so then you end up having to choose to manage their hearts for them, which is exhausting. You have to measure all of your words. You have to plate everything up in a beautiful way and make sure, is there anything they don't like on what I'm gonna present? Okay, I've gotta make sure I respond in the right time. I've gotta make sure I don't spend time with those people. I've gotta make sure I do this and I don't do this and I give here and I don't give, and I do all of these things to try and manage this person. Or you choose to say, actually, this relationship is just too tiring and exhausting for me and I don't want to be in it anymore. Because it's all one-sided. I can't be free to be who I am because you're interpreting, you could interpret me in a way that I'm not intending to be. And in that case, oftentimes, when there's not a verbalisation back. To live in the freedom that is our inheritance in Christ, we must be healed from our offendability. If I'm offendable, it means that others have the ability to control my response in a situation, which is a form of self-induced bondage. If you have an offendable heart, you've, that's called self-induced bondage. You are putting yourself in the position of slavery to other people, to circumstances, to life. 
Because all of a sudden, I'm not, well, I'm not responsible. You're not response-able. You're not able to respond righteously and rightly to situations, to other people's behaviour, because you're controlled by them. 15. Yeah. I know, I, I've, I did barely any preaching training, but one thing I do remember is you shouldn't have this many points in a sermon, so... Um, but you guys can handle it. Number 15, offence can often be the result of miscommunication or misreading a situation. And the number of times I've been offended by someone and it turned out I totally misread the situation. Text messages, perfect. This is like the, you know, offendability machine of our day. Text messages, man, they're the worst. So that's all that is. Don't text people. If you want to share something important, call them. Have a conversation, meet face to face even, is the best. If it's a hard thing that you're gonna share with someone, sit down, there's, there's body language, there's eye contact, there's a whole lot of thing that happens, non-verbal communication that makes someone able to hear. You can see how they're responding. I've said this sometimes, I might have a conversation with someone, I'll say something and I see their response and I'm like, hold on a second, let's talk about how you're, I can see you're responding to what I'm saying, but it feels like you're responding in a way that maybe I'm not intending. Can you clarify what you heard me say? Or you, you were saying this and this, oh no, sorry, that's not what I meant at all. I meant, I meant this. Oh, okay, oh, that makes sense. When we clarify that in, in relationship and connection, but in the face-to-face is way better. Please don't do confrontation over text message or even over a phone call. If you can get face-to-face with a person, it's so much more effective so much a better way of doing it, amen? All right, number 16, this is an important one. My offendability is my responsibility, which also means your offendability is your responsibility. I refuse to be responsible for someone else's offence and their offendability. I can take responsibility if I'm being offensive and someone says to me, Brad, when you said that it was really harsh and cutting and you, I felt like you cut me down, I can say, I'm so sorry that what I said hurt you. Brad, that time when you spoke on offence and it really triggered me and it made me offend, I can say, I'm sorry that my sermon offended you, but I can't take responsibility for for your offence. And we can't do that in relationship. Now, again, as I shared in that one before with people, if somebody acknowledges, I've acknowledged I've got an offendable heart, and that you're in relationship and they say, I'm really sorry for the way sometimes I respond, maybe out of my insecurity, out of, out of my history, out of all of these things. Sometimes I get triggered when, when you say certain things, okay? But I'm taking responsibility for my heart. Will, will you be willing to continue to journey with me as I work this out? And if someone says, yes, I'm willing to journey with you, then again, we can, we can choose to Share in the responsibility of someone's offendability, okay? And we can say, hey, oh, when I said that, did you, did you, I, you know, I'm not saying that. Oh, yes, yes, I know. Thank you for helping me to not hear lies when people are speaking. So we can choose to do that. Again, if you're in a, in a marriage uh, situation there's, where there's covenant there and you're like, I'm gonna choose to journey with you, but we're gonna keep putting this on the table and not, we're not gonna walk around it and just pretend it's not there. We're gonna talk about, hey, if I do that and, and it, you get a reaction in you, can you come and talk to me about it? Amen? So if I'm offendable, then someone else can be in control of my behaviour and responses. This means I'm irresponsible and I am, I'm unable to respond from a place of freedom. Other people's actions control and compel me to act in a certain way. To be responsible for my heart means that I am response-able, 
I'm able to respond freely and righteously even when someone wrongs me. If someone is unrighteous towards me, I don't have to act unrighteously towards them. The less offendable I am, the less other people's offence affects me. Number 17, offence is not your friend. Some people have become very acquainted with offence and offence ends up ruling their life. They go from broken relationship to broken relationship or from church to church and it's always the other person's fault. Blame and offence usually go hand in hand. It's always someone else's fault that I'm offended. And we think that only if the other person or organisation hadn't behaved in a particular way, then I wouldn't be offended. It's their fault that I'm offended. And I'm telling you today, it's your fault that you're offended. I'll tell you again, it's your fault that you're offended because your offendability is your responsibility. Doesn't mean what they're doing is right. But if you're responding unrighteously to someone's unrighteousness, guess what? It's two unrighteous people living in harmony. The problem is that the offendability was there all along. People use offence to hide from the brokenness in their hearts. It's easier to make someone else responsible for our pain because then we don't have to go through the pain of taking responsibility and actually starting on a healing journey. It's just easy to, I'll just blame them. I'll blame them and I'll blame them. It's all their fault. So all I have to do is, because really the thing is, if I'm in relationship with people and they cause me pain, I either deal with why I'm responding like that or I remove the relationship. If authority figures say things to me that offend me, well then I just need to move aside from having any authority figures in my life and I'll be all the authority in my life. <laughs> Son, I'm free. I'm not offended now. Shush, Siri. Not offended now, because there's no one that can offend me because I've disconnected myself from every possible relationship of anyone that could ever possibly speak truth into my life. Offence and unforgiveness often go hand in hand. The offence stops us from being able to truly forgive because to do so would mean they would have to let go of our offence. Sometimes we can say the words of forgiveness, but because we have allowed offence to take root in our hearts, the forgiveness isn't genuine, and so all of the negative feelings remain in our hearts. No matter how many times we forgive, the negative feeling remains because the offence remains. When we deal with our offendable heart, we are able to freely and fully forgive others and journey towards reconciliation with them. Point number 19, offence needs a landing strip in our heart. If offence doesn't have a place to land in your heart, it'll fly right past you. If I don't have insecurity in my heart, so if my security is in Christ, then I remove a landing strip for offence in my heart. If I'm walking in humility and not pride, I remove another landing strip for offence to land in my heart. So again, as we journey with Christ, as He is transforming us and we are moving from glory to glory as we are walking out and expressing the fullness of His righteousness that dwells in us, it's removing those places where offence can land. And finally, number 20, we made it. The more we become like Christ, the more unoffendable our hearts become. As I read before, Psalm 139, 
Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So there is an offensive way or there is an everlasting way. And Jesus wants you to live and walk in the everlasting way. If someone dishonours me, it's only my insecurity that would allow offence to be stirred up in my heart. I can have people dishonour me. It doesn't mean I feel dishonoured. It doesn't mean I even have to respond with offence. I've, I've had not nice things said to me. I've, I've, I've been told very harsh things in my journey as a pastor. Like I've literally been told to go F myself. And the week after, I was able to embrace and forgive that person. Because I let them do the journey and they journeyed with other people and, they, and God exposed their heart and they came in repentance and they asked for forgiveness. And because my heart wasn't offended, I was able to forgive and reconcile and embrace that person and pray for them and bless them. If my heart was offendable, I'm not saying it's completely inoffendable, but if I'd responded in offence in that situation, then I would not have been able to, I would just say, I don't wanna see this person anymore, I don't wanna talk to them, I don't wanna engage them in any way. So guess what my heart would still be carrying? The pain, the burden, whatever impact those words may have had on me, I would have carried the offence with me still being impacted today. But because of the work that Lord's done in my heart to allow me to, to choose not to respond in offence, I was able to go through that process and now I can have good, it doesn't mean I'm in relationship with that person, we're best buddies or something like that, but I can see them, I can be around them and I can have a genuine love in my heart towards them. Because again, when they spoke to me in that way, my thought is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're clearly in pain. They're clearly in a really hard place. I'm not, and, and they're responding out of that pain. So I'm not gonna take responsibility for their pain that's causing them to behave that way. So I can say, I'm not gonna take that on board. Someone's words or actions may be sinful and hurtful, but we have a choice in how we respond to their behaviour. You know, it's not always the right time to point out someone's brokenness. And if it's not the right time, you might see something in someone. And I wanna tell you, as a, as a, as a leader, I've been doing this for, for many, many years. I've, you know, this is why I've got 20 points in my sermon. It's <laughs> got a journey with lots of people. Um, and, and obviously I'm talking from what God has, has done in me as well. Um, but what I know is you see a lot more than what you say. The, the more you get to know people, learn people, learn humanity, learn how the heart works, I see way more than I say. And the reason for that is because to say what I see, it's not the right timing of God. So I might be speaking truth, but it's not gonna land because you know that person's not right to hear what God might have to say. Or it's just not their timing. If you've journeyed with Jesus for any length of time, you know five years into your journey with Jesus, He reveals things that He could have revealed five years before, and yet if He had, He may have crumbled and melted into a mess on the floor. But He heals us to a place that we can receive the next revelation, the next piece of truth, the next piece of healing. 
Again, it's like if you were, if you were in a car accident and you br- had broken bones and internal bleeding and uh, you know, s- uh, your brain was swollen, the doctors are going to focus on the worst bits first. They're gonna focus on the bits that are just gonna keep you alive. They're thinking if, you're, if your brain is swelling and, you're, and you've got a, a chipped bone in your ankle, they're gonna assume, hey, one of these things is worse than the other. Let's not fix the, the chipped bone on the ankle. Let's, let's try to not let this, you know, be permanent brain damage on, on the individual. But it's the same as what the Lord does, I assume. He's like, he, he, he does the most vital work, but there's a process in the journey of journeying with God because He's gentle and kind. But if He's gonna use you to speak truth, then we need to carry that. But it means sometimes that we have to journey with people who behave in ways that if we're offendable, we'll get offended with, but we can choose to not be offended and we can actually journey with them. But it means we've got to take up our cross and follow Jesus. It means we've got to be okay to be around people that might be offensive. If you want to, if you want to journey with people who don't know Jesus, you've got to be prepared that they're going to say offensive things maybe. They're going to do things that your Christian best buddy might not do to you or might not say to you or might not say about you. But again, as the Lord is preparing us to, to launch more and more out as missionaries into the world, we've got to deal with our hearts. Because man, if, you, if you're getting offended by church people, whew, good luck hanging around people who, who don't maybe have the same niceties. I'm not saying people who aren't in church aren't nice people, but you know what I mean? Like this, this is something where we just, Christians can just be a lot faker, really. Let's say how it is, you know? I smile. It's like you're meant to be nice when you're a Christian, you know? Because if you're not a Christian, it's like, <laughs> if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be like, I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to be nice. I'll be a jerk when I want to be a jerk, and I'll be nice when I want to be nice. Whereas for me, I'm like, I've got to be nice when I want to be nice, and I've got to be nice when I want to be a jerk. And I, w- I want to always be nice. You know what I'm saying. All right. But sometimes we'll have to intercede then on the other person's behalf and not let offense rise up in our heart and actually journey with someone who, who does things that you're like, man, I wouldn't do that. That's not how I would talk. And oh, when you do those things, it can really bug me. But Lord, bless them. Amen. It's the way of Jesus. You imagine Jesus hanging around His disciples and you see sometimes this kind of sparks of frustration would come out. But you imagine how He would have been holding down. All right, deep breath, Jesus. Deep breath, Jesus. All right. All right, and then you'd go and I'm sure he'd, that's probably why he's had to spend all that time with his father is because his disciples just annoyed him so much, maybe, <laughs> or maybe not. If you're offended with someone, pray for yourself. But I encourage you, maybe don't pray for the other person unless it's just a simple prayer of blessing. Prayers from, a, from an offended heart usually aren't that pure. Yeah. If like... Um, yeah, if like sulfur is part of your prayers or fires, like it's, you know, this, uh, this is probably a sign. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not of a pure heart here. All right. What do we need to do when we're offended? First step is we invite Holy Spirit to search our hearts and reveal the root of offence in us. Now, again, you might be able to do that just you and Holy Spirit. You might want to, 
draw somebody else in to pray with you. You might want to seek out some prayer ministry or go see if you've, if you've found that there's a, a pattern of offence in your life, maybe go see a Christian counsellor. Some of that can help you to actually get to what is the root of why I'm constantly being offended by other people. But again, it's me first, then other people. So commit to getting to the root of your offendability. Don't hand over your responsibility to offendability. Now again, when we deal with our own hearts, when we feel like I'm actually free from offence here, then we go to the person, we can go to them. Again, if this is a historical thing, there's more to it. But if it's someone you're in relationship with, they've done something, you've got offended with them, you've gone away and you've dealt with your offendability, but now you can come and talk to them about their behaviour. You go to them and you talk about how their words or actions offended you. Helpful things is you say, when you did this, I felt this. Or when you said this, I felt this. Not, you did this to me. Or you did this and you did that. You said this, you said that. It's when you said that, this is how I responded. Because what that does is it opens up to say, I'm not assuming that your intent was to hurt me. But when you said those things, I responded with hurt. That opens it up and the person can say, yeah, you know what, I was, just, I was really annoyed with you that day and I, I said that and I cut you down, I'm really, really sorry. Or they might say, I, I had no idea that that's what you heard. I had no intent to say, I'm so sorry that that impacted you, but I wasn't even thinking that at all. Both of those ways end up restoring relationship, but it, it leaves the other person open to not feel like they're being, um, what's the word? gone. It's flowing out of my head. Like accused, that's the word. <laughs> like it's not, I'm not coming, I'm accusing you of doing this because maybe they didn't do it. I'm just presenting when this happened, this is how I responded. This is how I felt. Amen. Matthew 18, 15 to 20. This is the Matthew 18 principle. So important for our lives. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell them their fault between you and them alone. So don't go to your friend, go gather your, your small group of friend, buddies around, tell them all the story, get them all on side, then maybe come and confront them as a gang or anything like that. Don't go around talking to lots of people. They say, remember when you heard that? You heard that too? Yeah. See, And then you go to the person and say, so listen, I've been talking to all these people and they all agree that you're, you're this or you're that. Don't do that. Don't ever bring evidence of other people's perspectives to a confrontation about someone's behaviour. Please don't do that. It's never good. But you go to them alone and you share with them. Say, hey, when you did this, this is how I felt. When you said this, this is how I felt. Okay, leaving it open there. If they listen to you, you have gained your brother or sister. But if they do not listen, then you take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence or two or three witnesses. Now again, we can take a serious language. This is talking about someone sinning against you, but you can apply this to any time where there's some sort of relational disconnect when something happens where you come away feeling hurt or upset or triggered or whatever it is, okay? So you go to them and you say, look, and they're not hearing, they're, you're not getting into a place of agreement. You say, hey, can we talk to somebody else? Can we bring in a third party? not your bestie, can we bring in a third party that can help us to hear? Maybe we're not hearing each other. Oftentimes that happens in relationship where I'm saying something 
and the other person is hearing something different. Yeah, anyone heard of that? It's called marriage, is that what it's called? Marriage? No, no. And they're saying things and you're hearing something totally different. I've sat there in, in meetings with people and I'm saying, are you hearing what they're saying? Yes, they're saying this. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm hearing. You're hearing that through a lens and then and you go back the other way and you realise that people are missing each other because of the language sometimes that we're using. So then you bring in a third party. If they refuse to listen, even to the, oh, so then you take them and then if it's like, if it's a sin, it's a big deal, take it before the church. If they don't repent there, then you treat them as an unbeliever. Yeah, treat them as an unbeliever. How do you treat unbelievers? Love. Yeah, so you treat them with love because you love your enemies and you bless those. So you treat them with love, hoping that they will be reconciled. But again, it might be that we can't be in relationship until this thing is resolved. Okay, doesn't mean I don't love you. Oftentimes that's how this scripture is talked about in church. Yeah, I just, I got kicked out of the church and then no one, everyone just, oh, don't look at that person. I mean, if that's how you're treating people that don't know Jesus, you've missed Jesus. Uh, this is not how He treats people. He's probably doing that to you. Don't, they're, they're not my friends really. I know they carry my name. It's just a coincidence. Um, so. Yeah. So again, when, we are, when we're doing this in relation with people, we need to keep the focus on reconnection and reconciliation, not on being right. If you come into one of those situations and you wanna come away from it being right, you're starting on the wrong foot. Plenty of times I've come in and I'm like, I need to confront this person about what they did or what they said. And I come away saying, oh, I totally missed that. I'm so sorry that I had that reaction to you when you did that thing because I totally misread it. But my goal is I wanna reconnect this relationship. I wanna be reconciled in relationship with you. That's why I'm bringing it to you because I love you and I care about our relationship and I wanna make this right. But because that situation caused a disconnect, I wanna build a bridge across that. And again, if you're the one being confronted, it's okay to apologise for the impact of your behaviour, even if it wasn't the intent of your behaviour. Okay? You can say, I'm so sorry that my words impacted you in that way. Even though I didn't mean that, I, didn't, I wasn't trying to hurt you, but I can still say, hey, I'm sorry that it did impact you. And I'll, I'll try and be more aware of my language. Amen? All right, so you can live free from offence. We need to catch the seed before it takes root. Repent quickly when offence rises up in your heart. Deal with your own heart first before confronting another person's behaviour. Bless those who offend you. Don't play, don't play the blame game. You are the only person that is responsible for your sin. No one can make you sin. You choose how you respond to other people's behaviour. So take responsibility for your responses. This is what we teach our kids. You made me do this, you made me do that. No, I can't make you be angry. And as Noah would know, he also loves to encourage us with that same truth that we speak. Well, no, when you did that, you made me angry. Dad, well, Dad, I can't make you angry. You can choose to be angry because I'm like, oh, you're so right. I'm feeling the anger rise up, but no, Lord. But it's true, isn't it? 
But how many times do we do that? When you do this, you made me angry. I can't, I can't make people things. I can choose to get angry with how you're behaving or I can choose not to. If I can't choose whether or not I get angry or don't get angry, it means I'm in a thing called bondage and slavery to sin. Take responsibility for your responses and finally build your identity on God's... Build your identity on who God says you are. The more that we come to understand the truth of who we are in Christ, the less we will be offended by the words and actions of others. God wants to set your heart free from the bondage of offendability. Amen? Long one. Well done. You made it through. I'm going to... Yes. Let me pray for you. Why don't you stand with me if your legs haven't fallen asleep. Awesome. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Yeah, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come and to minister to our hearts. Lord, even as the Psalm 139 says, Lord, come and just search our hearts. Would you come and search our hearts, Lord? Would you come and search our hearts or would you reveal if there is offendable ways in us, Lord. And Father, you might start to reveal to us even maybe certain people that we've been offended with. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to put the evidence aside, the evidence that we've built up in our minds against the other person and just simply say, Lord, have I responded in offence? Because if I have, I'm sorry. And I repent for being offended. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to change my heart. Give me a heart like yours, Jesus. Give me a heart that is free from being offended. And Lord, no heart is free from being hurt. No heart is free from feeling pain. That's what it means to have our hearts alive, Lord. But Father, we don't want to have hearts that are controlled by other people's sin. We don't want to have hearts that, are, that can be manipulated and where we live without responsibility. So we ask You, Holy Spirit, to continue to form righteousness in our own hearts, Lord. Thank you that you're revealing truth even right now, Holy Spirit. Thank you. And Lord, I thank you that you, you don't just teach us truth, Lord. You teach us the ways of truth. Even as you said, Jesus, I am the way and the truth and the life. So you establish pathways for us to walk on, Lord. You establish frameworks in our heart, Lord, that it's not just, well, in this one moment as, as Brad's praying, I'll, I'll repent for all of my sin that I can think of, Lord. But what you do is you teach us and you give us wisdom and revelation and understanding and a framework for how to respond to life that we might go from today, Lord, with the ability to recognise our offendability. 
that we'd be able to catch it, Lord, in conversation, in relationship, in our everyday life, that You would continue to speak truth and reveal to us and say, hey, that right there, you got offended. Let, let's us deal with that. And then you can go and share with your brother or your sister or your mother or your father or your spouse or your friend. You can go and share with them the truth that you believe you've seen or received. Or you can go and share with them the way that their behaviour or their words impacted you. Lord, we wanna live in freedom. Jesus, You said that You came to set us free, to live in the abundance of life. And I thank You, Jesus, that an unoffendable heart is another step towards living that abundance of life, living in fullness of freedom. So Lord, it's not just in this moment that we might repent of where we are offended, Lord, but also in the, in the days to come, in the weeks to come, Lord, that You would teach us that pattern of recognition, Lord. You would help us to, in every interaction, to search our own hearts before we seek to search the hearts of others. And we thank You, Lord, that it is Your desire, it is Your heart to lead us in the everlasting way. So Lord, we choose today the everlasting way. We choose Your everlasting way, Jesus. And we choose to let go of offence. Would You tear down the walls of offence in our hearts, Lord? The barriers that we've put up to relationships, the barriers that we've put up to receive truth. Would You come, Holy Spirit, by Your power and Your authority, we give you permission to bring down the fence of offense. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Hey, we would just want to open the floor at the front here. For anyone who wants to pray, maybe you want to pray through some of these things, even re repent of anything or um, whatever you need, we'd love to, uh, to bless you. If our ministry team, our core leaders could come and be available for that. Um, but if you want more prayer, just come and stand along the front. Uh, and if not, we'd love for you to stick around, have dinner with us. We've got pasta bake or something tonight. So $2 donation. If you are uh, visiting, the meal is on us, so be blessed with that. Um, but we'll be out this way uh, with the fire pit. So join us, get to know someone new. Bless you guys, love you.